we do not want to get stuck at the survivor stage. It's an important stage. It's the time in your healing journey when you're finally acknowledging what happened. You're talking about it. You're beginning to understand the impact that these experiences have had. But a lot of people get stuck there. They just continue talking and talking and talking and talking. And what I've also learned over the years due to my studying neuroscience is that actually begins to reiterate the trauma. You're actually reinforcing the trauma. Hey family, I'm Rachel Grant and you're doing life with Lakeisha on Living Her Truth. Welcome to the Living Her Truth podcast, where we have honest conversations about what it means to live a purpose-driven life. I am your host, Lakeisha Woodard from LakeishaWoodard.com, the place where women receive the tools necessary to feel seen, heard, and supported while pursuing their purpose. And now every week, you'll learn those same tools through candid and transparent conversations. Hey family, welcome to another episode. I am so excited that you're here. I do not take it lightly that you decided to hit that play button and spend about an hour of your time with me. So with that being said, I want you to know that I am 100% invested in your self-awareness journey. So you better believe that every week I'm bringing my A-game for providing you the tools necessary to live a more fulfilled and purpose-driven life. So family, I'm not sure you've noticed, but uh, we're just chugging along here, okay? Because it's May 4th, and I swear, time is flying by and not caring if, <laughs> if we are falling behind, all right? For those of you who may not know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So here on the podcast, over the next four weeks, we're going to have some very deep, heavy, yet needed conversations about mental health and trauma. In the first episode of the month, I'm sitting down with Rachel Grant to discuss going beyond surviving a sexual trauma. Now, I say sexual trauma because that's our experience, but what we've shared with you in our conversation can relate to surviving any form of trauma. So please don't think that this conversation is not for you because you didn't experience a sexual trauma. If you have experienced trauma in any form or fashion, then this conversation is for you, all right? If you know someone who has experienced any form of trauma, okay, let me say that again, any form of trauma, this conversation is for them as well. And I encourage you to share this conversation with them and to also listen to this conversation with an open mind. All right. Now, before I let you eavesdrop on my conversation with Rachel, let me formally introduce her to you. Rachel Grant is the owner and founder of Rachel Grant Coaching and is a sexual abuse recovery coach and MA in counseling psychology. She is also the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. She works with survivors of childhood sexual abuse who are beyond sick and tired of feeling broken, unfixable, and burdened by their past. She helps them to let go of the pain of abuse and finally move on with their lives. And if you are readily 
to finally move beyond surviving and move on with your life, then please keep listening for my conversation with Rachel Grant. Rachel, thank you so much for saying yes to having this conversation with me today. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me, Lakeisha? I'm so <laughs> down for it. I am just so in love um, with what you're doing and excited that you've created this new platform to share your voice. It's a beautiful thing. Super proud of you. Thank you so much. And let me just say, the love goes both ways. Okay. Because <laughs> you have been my girl since the last couple of years when we actually met. Which is how I like to start off the conversation. So I'm gonna just go right into it. You guys, I met Rachel because I was just doing some research. I was new in my business and wanted to get some exposure out there. And I started doing research on different platforms where I can go and just talk and share my story. And I ran across um, Beyond Surviving and found out that Rachel had a podcast and I reached out to her and she said, yes. And I was like, cool. I was a little nervous to be, you know, to be completely honest because this was a platform for sexual abuse survivors. And I knew that my conversation was going to be all about the sexual abuse and wasn't my first time having a conversation just completely about the sexual abuse but it has been a while you know and i just really just wanted to just show up and just be honest and and not have a conversation that was dreadful if you will because by the time rachel and i met i had done so much posts victimism if that's even a word mm. <laughs> it is now <laughs> <laughs> it is now that i really just wanted you know whomever was listening men women children whomever was listening i just really wanted them just to hear the healing that's in my voice and the happiness that's in my voice mm. in spite of as yes. a way to like encourage them so i was a little nervous and excited all at the same time and it turned out to be an amazing conversation. And Rachel, to be honest, I think that was probably one of my best interviews thus far. I'm gonna go ahead and put that out there. Yeah, yeah beautiful. Yeah, I remember it very, very well. Yeah, yeah. wonderful, wonderful time together and conversation. Yeah, sure. it was, it was. You just made it so easy to, mm. you know, to, to talk to, which is, um, so very important when it comes to when it comes to sexual abuse yeah. you know you guys just in case you don't know may is mental health awareness month and so i just thought this would be a great opportunity to kind of like really go into um my story just a little bit just a little bit more and just talk about sexual abuse because unfortunately you know even though this is 2021 i mean 2020 unfortunately there are a lot of victims out there yeah. and there are a lot of women who were victimized and haven't received healing like I still have women come up to me after they've heard me speak on stages and say thank you because I could have never done what you've done like the fact mm -hmm. that you can get on stage and just talk about it so freely and with so much courage like thank you like women are still walking up to me in tears because right. they haven't received the healing they just haven't yeah. started their their healing journey and so if that's you i just want to encourage you to do so on today and so we're going to talk about it you know i don't want this to be like 
a, a sad, dreadful conversation. I just want this to be a super happy conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And Rachel was the perfect person to have that <laughs> conversation with. So Thank you. we're going to get into it. So we're going to get into it. Um, and I'm going to try to find, I'm going to pull up the, the link to our episode and make sure to put it in the show notes. I'm going to make a note of that to put my my episode in the show notes. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. If you don't find it, let me know. I'll get it on over to you. Absolutely. Sure. So people can listen to to that conversation, um, yeah. that, that conversation as well. So, you know, because I'm so transparent, you know that, right, mm -hmm. Rachel? I'm very yes. transparent. And for those of you who may be listening to the podcast for the very first time, for me, the sexual abuse started around eight years old, my mother's um, husband sexually abused me and it ended when I was 16. And I'm, I'm, I know I was 16 years old because it ended because at the time when I was working my very first job, um, I went into work and I was just, just upset just completely upset. And my boss put me to the side and asked me what was wrong. And before I knew it, I had just like threw up and told everybody. Mm -hmm. not, not literally threw up yeah, because the words just right. like threw up out of my mouth and I told her everything. Couldn't hold it in anymore. Yeah. Couldn't hold it in anymore. And the first thing she did was she called her husband and her husband is an attorney and asked him what she, what should she do? And he was like, get that girl to the police station. And that day the sexual abuse ended and my life changed forever for mm -hmm. the better mm -hmm. and so um Rachel do you mind like sharing a little bit of your testimony as well yeah absolutely so you know thank you for the opportunity to to be here and to talk a little bit about my journey um similarly to you um there's been you know this progression you know through these stages of you know feeling stuck in that place of victim and um life events and people have come into my life you know as well that have helped me heal and move forward so i grew up in oklahoma i'm a country girl at heart and uh, even though i'm based in san francisco now and eat a lot of kale um <laughs> still don't make still me talk about my water <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh man. At five years old, my grandfather came to live um, with my family. And I loved this idea when I found out about it because um, I just thought, oh my gosh, he's going to be a captive audience. He's like immediately like, you know, someone for me to play with. Yay. You know, the mind of a five-year-old, right? Right. I'm just excited. And, um, and he really was like, you know, I would rush home from school and I'd pretty much go straight to his room and we would talk and play and we'd sit on, on the front porch a lot. And um, so this, you know, relationship really became a place of security, a place of safety, comfort, fun, play. And um, one day when I was 10 years old, we were sitting out on the front porch and um, began touching me. Uh, and I remember, Lakeisha, that I really felt like oh what he was doing it was just an accident you know misplacement of his hand and so I started to kind of wiggle and try to shift and um, he just gripped a hold of me tighter and um, for uh, a while continued it got worse it escalated um, and then one day my mom happened to be walking by the window that looks out onto the porch swing and she saw him touching me and she, man, she came out that door like wildfire, just, you know, Rachel, get in here, you know, and snatched me away. And um, it was a little disorienting, you know, at first, like, uh oh, what's going on? Am I in trouble? What's happening here? Mm -hmm. um, but she and my dad immediately got 
him out of the house. And, um, you know, they started talking with me and trying to understand what had happened, what was going on. But, you know, you're 10 years old, 11 years old. And I'm like, what? Well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they did their best to, to support me following that. But I honestly, I was really resistant to any care. I just didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to pretend like everything was okay. Um, and that's pretty much what I did for the next, oh, about 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so um, master pretender, you know, which I think so many of us who've gone through trauma, both in the context of during the trauma, like when we're having to pretend that we're all right, you know, we're going to school and then we're coming home and experiencing these severely violating, you know, and then to the dinner table and how was your day and um, you know so that that disconnect that begins to form as a result of that and then that really just played out for for many many years in my life wow oh my goodness such such courage Mm -hmm. in in that story and I applaud your mom for her reaction because for me the sexual abuse was a family secret it was a, it was a family secret you know it, it was like we just pretended like it just wasn't happening you know and at some point after you tell so many people or, or tell it tell the story so many times and then there's there's no help there's no rescue mm-hmm. I just stopped I just stopped you yeah. know and so um it, it just you know luckily for me it, it didn't progress for me the sexual I felt as though the sexual abuse ended before it got worse I mean like can it really get worse absolutely <laughs> just when mm. you think it, it cannot get worse it absolutely can and so the day that I actually you know was crying to to my boss um you know he was talking about leaving Chicago and, mm. and moving down south and I did not like I just felt in my spirit that that was going to be the wrong move for me mm-hmm. to just be mm-hmm. just to pick up and leave and just leave and take us away from all the family that I ever known I just felt like that was just wrong in my spirit and so when I went into um when I went into work that's why I was crying because I didn't know what to do you know and so she you know my boss pulled me to the side and you know because at that point I had stopped I had stopped talking about it I just yeah you surrendered to I'm just in this on my own and can't nobody's gonna come to help or rescue me yeah absolutely common feeling Absolutely. So, you know, I, I use my voice one more time and I was heard. Mm-hmm. And I want who's ever listening to that to hear my voice. Hear yeah. me when I say that. I use my voice one more time because sometimes all it takes is just one more time. Mm-hmm. Even if you fall on your face, no matter what it is that you're doing, if you fall on your face, just get up and try one more time. Just, yeah. just one more time. Just one more time because you never know where your break will come just one more time and so I did I spoke up just one more time and my life changed forever and you know like you afterwards you know I tried to pretend like it it just it didn't happen and just go on with my life now for me fortunately I was able to uh my stepfather actually went to jail for it 
So we went to trial and everything. I went through the whole process of getting up on the stand, you know, facing him and telling everybody what was going on. Like it was a, it was a whole like ABC after school special. You guys, you remember that? (laughs) Thank you. Oh my God. Taking me back. It was a a whole after school special. Wow. And so um, by the time I graduated from high school, the trial was over and he actually went to jail. So, got out of high school, decided to go to college, had the opportunity to go to college um, because God just lined people up in my mm. life. You know, it's funny how he just lined things up. Right. <laughs> just, just lines it on up. Little divine appointments along Man. the way. Yeah. Man. So I just yeah. slid on into college, if you will, and decided that I was just going to go to school and be successful. Whatever that looked like, I was going to be successful. Hit a brick wall immediately Mm. you know hit a brick wall emotionally because I couldn't handle it I couldn't handle it eight years of abuse in general abuse because it wasn't just the sexual abuse it was the physical abuse he was a drug addict he beat my mom and he abused my brother so just the abuse growing up in the projects I had just lost my sister my sister was killed two years prior I hit this wall and I just like like I broke mm. down and I had to get the healing. I didn't have the luxury of going to 10 years of pretending like it didn't happen. I hit right. the wall like immediately. Mm. And, and thankfully for me, um, somebody paid for therapy sessions. Oh, great. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, something I'm so um, touched by in your story is really thinking about the context of being a teenager in high school and you are going through this trial, right? And we think about the high school experience, you know, that we hope to have or that we would wish, you know, our kids to have. And, you know, it's all about flirting and figuring it out and, you know, doing your coursework and doing activities. And so I just have a lot of admiration for the quality of character that that really represents, that in, the, in a time in your life, you know, where we're wanting, where things are already like, whoa, and confusing, and, you know, a lot of pressures and socialization, all that's happening, um, to be also processing and taking on and dealing with everything that that court trial required of you. I just say, like, kudos to you, girlfriend, because that is no small feat. And I can totally understand this moment of, like, now you're, you know, you're stepping into this next, you know, adventure Mm -hmm. um, in college, but it's like everything catches up with you. And I think that's just really true for all survivors of trauma, that at some point it's going to catch up with you and you have a really very important decision to make in those moments because a lot of people will shift back into denial, right? They'll go back into that that place of no, not yet. And I have a lot of compassion for that because I certainly hit those places and said, nope, not yet. I'm really fine. Um, And we also have the opportunity to shift and think, okay, I'm going to face this now. I'm going to work with this now. And thank goodness, you know, we've come a long way as far as resources that are available to support people. There are way more free resources that are are available and sliding scale support, um, you know, all the way up to, you know, programs and things that you can can check out and participate in. Yeah, it's that journey. For me, my kind of 
rock bottom moment came after spending 10 years in an abusive relationship. Mm. And um, the beginning of that relationship had actually, in conversation with him, he'd helped me finally face the fact that the sexual trauma was still impacting me Mm. and um, helped me get into counseling and make that move and, and start to take that on. And then about three months later after that, the physical abuse and the verbal abuse and the emotional abuse started. So it was this wacky world that I was living in, right? On one hand, trying to deal with and actually address the sexual trauma, but at the same time being traumatized. And um, when we divorced, I just was in a place in my life, I was almost 30. And uh, uh, looking ahead to the future, Lakeisha, and thinking, you know, what the heck? Like, how is this my life? How am I this person? Like, is this really? Like, what I, what I've created and what's possible for me and, and just thinking ahead to the future and noticing like, man, if something doesn't change, like immediately, (laughs) you know, I am going to spend the rest of my life miserable. Mm. And that just scared the pudding out of me as my mom would say. And I, I I really just become obsessed with like, okay, that's it. I'm going to figure it out. How do I actually heal from from sexual abuse. And that's what really launched me into this journey, and, you know, studying and researching and doing my master's in counseling psychology and studying neuroscience and basically starting to, to put a lot of these pieces together and experiment, using myself as a guinea pig, if you will, right? Like what's working, what's not working. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just, um, that was a critical deciding moment in my life where I said, I am not going to surrender to this. I'm not going to basically give over my life to this trauma, to this pain. Yeah. I love that. Um, I, 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 I love that. It's, it's, it, it just hit me that your abuser was the one that helped you to recognize that you were, that the abuse was, was affecting you, you know, um, because yeah. like a common question that I get all the time is like, how, like, how did I mentally survive that? And my answer is, but God, that's the original, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, also too was that my abuser uplifted me praised me Mm. you know so like my situation even though it was all about control yes but like he bragged about how I was going to become an attorney and how Mm. I was going to be his attorney and you know um, Mm -hmm. it was him that would uh, make us uh, make me and my brothers you know play like judge and jury where I would be the attorney have to defend them you know they stole some snacks or something like that like that happened in the household too. So it's kind of, it's kind of crazy and ironic yeah. that, you know, but the Bible said that, you know, God will make your enemies your footstool. Mm, so, you right. know, I, it's, I, yeah, I this know. is the, the duality, right. That mm-hmm. so many survivors of trauma are dealing with, particularly those who are experiencing trauma within the family, which we know is the majority of where abuse actually occurs. Yes. Um, it's usually someone, you know, a trusted adult mm-hmm. or individual in your family or in your community. And most people who are causing harm, there is this, you know, these, these two types of experiences that we have with them. Similarly with my grandfather, right? He was loving, he was nurturing, he was kind, and he harmed me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I think this is part of um, 
the, the struggle in healing is how do we reconcile that duality? Because we don't want to just absolutely, you know, excuse me, absolutely hate the person who harmed us because that just doesn't resonate for us really, if you think about it at the end of the day, because we have all of these other experiences. And then, uh, so some people like can't manage that duality. So they do end up on these two spectrums. They go into denial. And so they only look at the positives, right? And they, they put all of their focus there. Other people end up on this other spectrum and they basically vilify the person who has harmed them. They, they um, depersonalize it. it. He was a monster, he was evil right? Um, so that they can try to shut down those parts of them that actually feel love and affection for that person too. So that's, I mean, can you imagine like, you know, a little person um, having to process all of that and then well into your adulthood trying to make sense of it all, you know, it's a process. We got some things to unpack. Yes, yes. I can imagine. I lived yes. it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. You know, the, the name mm. of your business is Beyond Surviving. Mm. Why, yeah. why did you choose that name, Beyond Surviving? Oh, my goodness. Well, the story just gets more and more wild as I go along. So when um, my husband, um, he went down to L.A. for an internship um, while he was in um, school and I stayed in San Francisco. Um, he met someone while he was there and had an affair. and. When he came back and said, <clears throat> that's it, it's over, we're divorcing, I found Wait the love minute, of my life. You? Yes, isn't that a trip? <laughs> yeah, isn't that something? God was like, you was taking too long, Rachel. Exactly. No, it's, it's so absolutely true. I really 100% believe that I probably would have stayed in that because I was so disconnected from self-worth and, oh my gosh, and just, and, and, and he was a good abuser in the sense that he really had me convinced that it was all me, right? So wow. I was really in the lane of like, well, if I just get this right, and if I just change that, and if I just lose a little weight, and if I just, you know, show up this way, then everything will be great and groovy and fine, right? I was, I had really bought into that narcissistic manipulation mm -hmm. um, and, and all of that. And so the woman that he had an affair with said to him, hey, I think you all should go to this workshop and really make sure this is what you want to do. <laughs> like, well, okay. Stop it right now. You don't have to, you don't have to make up stories. I know. You don't have to make up stories. Man, my Are you life. serious? I'm so 100% serious. Okay, and so, we, so we, we've gone from the um, after school special to Lifetime Movie Network. <laughs> I mean, right? We're on Bravo at this point. No, I feel you. And so I was like, all right, well, you know, in desperation and, and convinced that we needed to stay married. It was, you know, God's purpose for us and all of these things. I went to this workshop. And it was at that first workshop, working with one of the coaches, that something finally shifted in me. And I 100% got that the abuse was not my fault. Now, I, I, that's a little prelude to your question because it, you know, we divorced. I said, okay, yep, we're done. That's it. And then I continued on in these series of workshops. And in the third kind of level of this program, you start to take what you've learned and discovered and, and put it back out into the world, right? Contribution. And I had an idea for creating an event to bring people together to talk about sexual trauma, no surprise, but I was really stuck about what to call it. And I was talking with this guy 
about that. And I told him a little bit of my story and, you know, this is what I want to do. He says, well, you know, I'm stuck too. I'm not really sure what to, what to call this event, but you know, I'm just, I just have to say, I'm, I'm just so impressed with you and my gosh, you're such a survivor and you've just made it through so much. And Lakeisha, he didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I lost it. Uh, my mind just like blew up in that moment. And I started yelling at this poor man. <laughs> I was like, ah, you know, I'm so sick of people calling me a survivor. That's so dumb. Who wants to survive their life? There has to be something more. There has to be something beyond surviving. And this man started to laugh at me. And of course, when you're upset and angry, somebody's laughing at you, you just get more upset. More I'm like, what are you laughing at? He goes, well, I don't know about any of that but I know that you have the name of this event beyond surviving and that's how it came forward that's how it, it landed in that moment and so what that really represented for me and what that then turned my attention to and all of the work that I do with men and women every day is about that that we do not want to get stuck at the survivor stage it's an important stage it's the time in your healing journey when you're finally acknowledging what happened. You're talking about it. You're beginning to understand the impact that these experiences have had. But a lot of people get stuck there. They just continue talking and talking and talking and talking. And what I've also learned over the years due to my studying neuroscience is that actually begins to reiterate the trauma. You're actually reinforcing the trauma in that way. And so I just really turned my attention to what there must be a next step. There must be someplace else. And all that beyond surviving really means at the end of the day is that you are complete about that experience of trauma, which means that it is integrated into your life so that it is part of your story. It is not the story. Wow. Wow. So if, if it's causing even more trauma when you talk about, is it because that person hasn't done anything to heal from it and they're prematurely talking about it? No, it's more a matter of, look, telling our story and talking it through is important to a point, right? Um, but on a neurological level, whatever we are saying, whatever we are speaking is creating and lighting up the neuronal pathways in our brain. And so, um, when we access a particular neuronal pathway, we're reinforcing it. We're basically telling our brain, keep that alive. That's important. Hold on to it. And so you can imagine like the thousandth time that you talk about that moment when he's such and such and such and such. At, in the beginning, it's about resolving and clearing. Mm -hmm. But if it's the thousandth time you've told that story, then you're really just reiterating it on a neurological level. You're making that pathway stronger. And that creates that that impacts activation. Mm -hmm. So it's continues to tell your brain that you're um, basically not safe. That there's a threat still because your brain doesn't understand when I'm telling you the story now right now in 2020 my brain doesn't understand that my grandfather is long gone and dead my brain doesn't get that my mind does but my brain does not and so depending on how I'm talking about that experience and where I go in that narrative I can be reactivating all of that old trauma in my system Mm. through the narrative, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is why when we talk about stories of healing, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. that we want to make sure that we bring in like, well, where am I today and what's going on now? Because that is helping us connect back into gotcha. like, here we are and here's who I am now. Here's what's so and what's true. 
okay, because I was going to ask you, how was the safe way of telling our story, you know, without, you know, uh, injuring or re-injuring ourselves again, and that's to talk about where we are now, mm-hmm. post the trauma, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense, um, and, and it's just, that, brings me back to uh, a memory that I that I have man everything mm-hmm. happens everything happens for a reason uh, so one of my best friends I met in college before I moved to Atlanta to attend Clark Atlanta University I went to school right outside of Chicago and so mm-hmm. I met one of my really really good friends he's a best friend uh, right now to this day and so I told him a lot about like what happened to me. I told him about the sexual abuse and just everything, you know, because mm-hmm. he was familiar, you know, with the projects that I, that I grew up in. I mean, he didn't grow up in the projects cause he's from a middle-class family, but he was just fascinated with everything that I had gone through. And he was mm. just like, you know, I'm going to, you should let me write a book on, on your life. And we had uh, recorded like, just us having a conversation. I think we did like one recording. And cause at first I said, yes, okay, let's do it. And then we recorded like one conversation of me just telling my story. And then I told him, I said, you know what? Let's hold off on that because mm. my story hasn't ended yet. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, I feel like this is not the end. Like, I don't want that to be the, right. the whole story. Does that make sense? Like I wanted it to be something else to go along with that. Like I didn't want my story to start and end at the abuse, you know? And so, and and he agreed. And then I I ended up, you know, transferring and going down to Clark Atlanta University and then the rest is history. So now I'm here now sharing my story and maybe it's a Mm -hmm. little easier sharing it now because I have done so much since. You right. know, so now yeah. when I speak, it's like the sec- instead of the sexual abuse, because when I first started off, if you guys know my story at Clark Atlanta University is when I started speaking. And so I was speaking with a nonprofit called Youth for Survivors, and it was like 10 of us college students who will go to different churches, organizations and schools and things of that nature to talk about mm. at-risk behavior. And so we talked about like HIV and AIDS. Um, going to jail, um, and then homelessness. And then I talked about sexual abuse. I was a sexual abuse piece. So I went from my whole speech being about Mm. sexual abuse to my speech being like a quarter, a third (laughs) of sexual abuse because of everything else that I have done since then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Man, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy how things how things work out. Mm-hmm. And I just put all that together just now when you were talking about, nice. yeah, when you were talking about, um, you know, how we reiterate or re-injure mm-hmm. ourselves by mm-hmm. constantly talking about it. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah. What a, what a powerful place for you to start to get some experience, you know, stepping into, you know, being visible and um, really letting yourself be seen and telling your story. And the fact that you were kind of intuitive in the sense of like connecting into like, what I really want to say here is, yes, these things happened. And Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think that's, you know, kind of representative of what Beyond Surviving is too. It's like, yes, yes. all these things happened mm-hmm. and 
you know, what's the rest of my life going to be? Um, you know, I, it's really important that we, I think one thing that I'm often, you know, really about when I'm speaking is trying to communicate to people that this is not a life sentence, right? This is not something that you're meant to deal with for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, life is not supposed to be about, you know, coping and recovery. Um, life is for living. And that doesn't mean there isn't suffering, you know, that doesn't mean there aren't problems. Lord knows I got some problems. Oh, <laughs> but, Lord knows. Okay. <laughs> but how do we navigate those problems in our adult self? Do we have the skills and tools? And, and that's really the other side of beyond surviving, helping people grow up, quite honestly. I had to grow up. You know, I remember um, when I was kind of in my early 20s, um, I was you know, on the floor kicking and screaming and yelling and upset and crying. And it was one of those moments where I kind of came out my body a little bit and was watching the nonsense. I was like, what are you doing, woman? <laughs> but I really felt and got clear in that moment that my emotional capacity, my emotional resilience to life was kind of stuck at like 10, 11. The ways in which I would cope, the ways in which I would respond, I hadn't really grown up past that. And so I had to figure it out. You know, how is I, how is a 20 something? Do I get the emotional capacity skills and regulation skills and communication skills mm -hmm. that I would need in order to build and form, you know, healthy, strong relationships. And so a lot of the work that I'm doing with my clients is also just, do you know how to trust? Do you know what that even means? Do you know how to set boundaries? Do you know what it means to like claim and own your sexuality? You know, those pieces, um, are as much about, you know, the work that I'm doing as looking at the past trauma and resolving that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I love the work that you do because it's so, Thanks. so, so important because um, I had to go through all of that afterwards and go through all mm -hmm. that, you know, for the most part on my own. And when I say mm -hmm. on my own, meaning that, you know, without the necessary support of a family, if you will, yeah. like I literally had to figure that out. And so at some point I realized that I was in constant survival mode mm -hmm. and I didn't want to be in constant survival mode anymore. In your professional opinion, do you think being in constant survival mode affects our mindset in any way? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this is why I love the neuroscience of trauma, because it helps us to understand what we are experiencing and why we're experiencing what we are. So what we know about trauma is that it is really um, associated, like the, the area of the brain that's impacted is the limbic system, right? Mm -hmm. And so in the moment of trauma, like when you're in it, you're experiencing it, mm -hmm. the brain basically sets off an activation, it's like a dominant know a thing leads to this thing leads to this thing and the main outcome is that the amygdala begins to kind of flood the brain and as that is happening other parts of the brain get overrided they can't really work well so that's like your prefrontal cortex which is where we have like our rational thought it's hard to problem solve it's hard to think rationally when we're triggered when we're activated the hippocampus is impacted which is the part of our brain that you know collects data and helps us with memory which is why trauma memory often have gaps mm -hmm. but for many survivors what happens is even though the trauma itself has stopped you know like it stopped when my grandfather moved out of the house it stopped when you reported right mm -hmm. your system doesn't just immediately go oh, okay 
fine. <laughs> Back to Girl, chill. It, it mm -mm. doesn't. No. And it didn't. <laughs> it didn't. It's like the amygdala gets stuck in the on position. And so you're constantly in kind of a fight flight. There's two sides of this. So some people end up in the activation where they're constantly anxious. They're hypervigilant. Um, they, they feel, you know, having a hard time focusing because everything's just really up. And then the other side of that is where they get stuck in the freeze. So feels like you're moving through mud all the time, depression, sluggishness, hard to motivate. Some people are kind of moving, you know, back and forth through these. But the bottom line is that your system is dysregulated, whether it's activated in the anxiety lane or it's activated in the, the slug kind of freeze lane. So we have to heal our nervous system. We have to reteach our body. And for some people whose experience began at a very, very young age, learn. You have to learn it because your body doesn't even know it, what it means to have healthy nervous system regulation, what it means to be, you know, what I call just like, you know, chilled out. Like, you know, this regular, just flat, simple, not numb, but, you know, chill. And so many, many survivors are exactly that, Lakeisha, living in the survivor, survivor mode, which just means that the activation is happening all of the time in the brain. Yeah. Mm. And. <clears throat> when I learned of your neuroscience background, I really got excited about mm -hmm. the conversation because you would be able to bring that that piece to you know to the conversation, so we can know how it actually affects our our brain and our mindset, which is perfect for you know mental health awareness month. But you mm -hmm. know, it's it's also interesting to me too that you are a coach as opposed to mm -hmm. a therapist. Why do you choose? <laughs> you know, coaching techniques over actually right. on, you know, giving your, your clients therapy. Mm, yeah. So once I had um, gotten to a certain place in my own healing, I started to get curious, like, will this make a difference for other people? Would it translate? Would the things that work for me work for others? And so I was in church at the time and I went to the, the pastor there and I said, you know, I, I think I'd like to put together a group for women who've experienced sexual trauma. I'm sure they're here in our community. Mm -hmm. And he was all for it. He, it turned out he had actually experienced sexual trauma himself. So he had a, you know, a heart for it. And I had a couple of women who boldly, you know, volunteered <laughs> to be eggs. Um, and then after working with them and really seeing the shifts that they were making and feeling like I was onto something, I decided to do my master's. And I went into that, Lakeisha, doing a marriage and family therapist with the intention of becoming a licensed therapist. <clears throat> and so I'm trucking along in my schoolwork. I'm like, okay, check, 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 getting it done. And then one day I'm in the legal and ethics class. And the professor is going on and on about, well, so if somebody's experiencing this, you report it. And then if they're experiencing that, you don't report it. And it made no sense to me. I was like, wait a second. So if a woman is coming to me, an adult woman is saying that she's being beat up every single night, I can't report that. But if a teenage boy comes and says that he's, you know, having sex with his boyfriend, I have to report that, like consensual sex. What? I have to report that because the laws on the books, craziness, right? Um, that's still, you know, that's abuse. That's. I was like, uh-uh, I'm out. <laughs> I, like, I can't, I can't, I can't. This does not make any sense to me. Right. Um, so my first and foremost reason was honestly because I was just like, I'm going to break all the rules and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get into trouble. I'm going to get 
And so it happened to be that I was um, also in a coaching, a group coaching class, and everything that we were doing there was just resonating with me. I was like, yes, this makes sense. And, um, and I loved the opportunity to, you know, go into the coaching lane because there, there were a couple of things for why that decision was ultimately made. First and foremost, didn't want to go to jail. Secondly, <laughs> just wanted to help people in a different way. I think therapy is an amazing space where you can sit in and you can speak and you can be heard and you can be reflected. And therapy is honestly changing quite a lot these days. But if we look back to when this was happening for me 13 years ago, mm -hmm. therapy was still a lot of like, mm-hmm, uh-huh, how do you feel yeah. about that? Yeah. And, um, and so coaching was more active. It was like, okay, so let's, let, let, let's, let's dig in and identify like why you're having the experience you're having, but let's figure out what we're gonna do about that. Mm -hmm. And that was what really resonated with me. I want to work with people to just say, yes, I understand. Yes, I get that. I wanted to say, yes, I get that. And here's what we're going to do. And coaching afforded me the space to teach, to educate. Um, you know, I remember very clearly sitting in a, a counseling session and talking about, you know, just really having a hard time um, controlling my anger and my rage. Mm. And this therapist, and I said, you know, I'm just so frustrated by this. It just feels like I can't do anything to change this. What do you think I need to do? What would you suggest? What would you recommend? And that therapist, without missing a beat, turned to me and said, I think you should search your heart and find the answer. And I was like, look, if I knew the answer, I would not be I sitting here be paying here. you. <laughs> oh I wouldn't gosh. be here. Right? I mean, there's a lot of truth to inner wisdom and that people have, you know, information inside of them. But at the end of the day, there are certain things that we just have to learn. We just mm -hmm. have, you know, and so, so that was just really important to me. It was also important to me that I be able to reach people broadly. You know, therapy, you're pretty much limited to your city. Um, and now with teletherapy, your state. But this is a pandemic. We have people Ooh, yeah. all over the world, all over the country who are suffering. And I didn't want to be limited by that. So coaching affords me the opportunity to work with people virtually. In fact, I do all of my work virtually by phone, by video conferencing. So I have clients all over the country in Canada. I had my first client in Saudi Arabia this year, Ooh. you know, Ireland, you know, yeah. Australia. Wow. So I love that because that means, you know, this, this bigger reach and more influence because, you know, something I'm always telling my clients, take this and teach it, take it and teach it because the more people you pass it on to, the more healing we're going to have, you know, in the world. So mm -hmm. that's where I landed as a coach instead of a therapist. And I'm really, you know, happy that I, I went that route at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So for those of you who, who are listening, hopefully Rachel cleared it up on, you know, whether or not you need a coach or you need a therapist. Um, because I think the misconception with me, and we talked about this a little bit before we actually started recording, is that, you know, I think women who have been abused, um, that haven't dealt with the sexual abuse at all, are drawn to me and attracted to mm. me, right? And they want to work with me, but I've had to like not work with them. And even even after I did your your um, 
the interview on your podcast, you know, mm-hmm. I had people reach out to me and I had to turn them away because uh, for me as a coach, I'm not the coach you come to that's going to coach you through recovery of sexual abuse. I'm the coach you come to when you, after you have gone through the recovery and you ready to, you know, take your life in a completely different direction. The reason why I share, you know, my story is because I want you to number one, know that it doesn't matter what you've gone through. You are qualified. Mm. You are qualified to live the life that you desire and deserve. It doesn't matter what you have gone through and whatever mindset that you have, we can switch that, pivot that, change that up to get you to live the life that you want to live, the life that you desire and deserve. Right. And so with Rachel, Rachel coaches you through that actual process but she also has the background to do that mm-hmm. another reason why i don't coach women through the process too is because i don't have a therapist license i don't have that official training and i don't want to deprive the client of that because to mm-hmm. me that is very important so i've had to uh you know turn women away and and i hate it because i know they're hurting and they need yeah. help you know, but I also don't want to do a disservice to them as well. Yeah. So, you know what? I'm going to start referring them to, to you, Rachel, because, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Thank because, you. because they need that help. So, yeah. you know, with that being said, you know, can you like briefly just tell us um, or describe to us the recovery process, mm, if you okay. will? Yeah, so one of the things that I would encourage those of you listening to do is to um, head over to rachelgrantcoaching.com slash checklist. rachelgrantcoaching.com slash checklist. This is going to break down the three stages of recovery. So where we start is the victim stage. And this is the time in our life when we're perhaps actually being victimized. But it's also representative of the mindset of denial or not yet. It's like, you know, all of the stuff of the trauma is around you, but you're kind of like, Mm-mm, don't want to look at that. <laughs> you know, I'm fine. I'm good. And you're just not ready to process or to work with the experiences that you've had. From there, when you do reach that place of acknowledgement, that moves you into the survivor stage. That is the bridge. As soon as you're able, to say this happened and I need to look at it so then you kind of start looking around at like okay yep all that stuff is there okay I see it and having therapy at that stage um, is a really great space to land because that's exactly what you can do you can just start to in your own way in your own kind of order name and acknowledge the things that you're getting present to Hopefully you get to a place where you start to get fed up with that though. Like you start to notice this is helpful. This is healing in some ways, but it's not enough. I want to take my life back. I want to resolve these things. And so that is the bridge to beyond surviving. And in the checklist um, guidebook, you will get, you know, more information about each of those stages, what some of the goals are, intentions are for each stage, and the kind of support that you want to get based on where you are. And, you know, I'm laying this out in a nice linear way, like victim survivor beyond survivor, just because that's the way our brain kind of works in a lot of ways. But what's true is that oftentimes we are, you know, in denial about some one part or one aspect of the trauma, and we might be further along and maybe even resolved in another area. 
Um, and But most of the time, people are kind of more in one spot than another. And so then based on that, you can kind of seek out the, the type of support. Um, and so for survivors, I have, well, so, so people who are just kind of stepping into the acknowledgement, my Healing from Sexual Abuse Facebook group is a great place to, to land. Um, a lot of people come to that group and just watch and read. And this is how they get the support just through witnessing to finally break their own silence and say, yeah, I want to put my voice in the mix here and I'm going to acknowledge what has happened. And then I have a monthly support group that is donation based. And that's really for people who identify more at the survivor stage. So we do talk a little bit about how to move forward in certain things, but mostly we're creating a space where people just get to talk and share and acknowledge what's been going on for them. And then when you're ready for that next step, that's where my group programs and my one-on-one -on -one programs come into play. Yeah, that's, awesome that's that's awesome you know and um i'm also in rachel's facebook group as well as you know as an expert so if you have any yes you can definitely hop in there and um the fact that you brought up that some people just go in there just to you know just to watch and and listen i'm glad you brought brought that up because mm -hmm. that's another reason why i share my story that's yeah. another reason why i talk about it because there are people out here hurting and they don't know that they don't have to hurt anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily know that there are people out here who have survived it and is thriving afterwards. They have, they're beyond surviving and they are yeah. thriving. So that's another reason why I share my story is so people can see that and mm -hmm. give them hope and let them know there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, yes. um, yeah. because you'd be surprised how many people adults if you will who are just living in turmoil mm -hmm. they're they're yeah. in a mental prison because they just don't see how they can get to the point of beyond surviving and so i share my story you know um to help those people out so when i see you mm -hmm. guys out and about and you stop me and you tell me thank you just know that that's even more motivation for me to keep speaking up too yeah, no doubt. That's, that's even more motivation. Yeah, we need those models. You know, we, we need the, the stories of those who have come before and have, you know, moved into that place of, um, uh, what I, the word that's coming to mind is Sir, Sir Thriver, which is Levon Proverbs uh, word, um, which I also really love. There's lots of different words to represent the same idea. I call it beyond surviving. She calls it Sir Thriver, thriving, you know, healed, whole, um, delivered, whatever you want to say, just know there is a next step. Yeah. Life is not meant to be torment and turmoil. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. Not at all. Thank you so much. You are amazing. Oh my gosh. Thank you. You are amazing. You are amazing. Before I let you go, um, can you tell us one book or audible book, because I'm addicted to audible, mm. that you have read or listened to that has changed your life in, in, some, in some way? Yeah. The first book that comes to mind is The Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. And this is a true slash, you know, 
fudging the facts a little bit story. <laughs> um, uh, and it's about his journey um, in college, kind of losing himself and, and trying to find his way and um, coming into relationship with, with a mentor who he nicknamed Socrates. And that book has always just stayed right by my bed, bedside. I go back to it again and again. There are so many little nuggets of wisdom and inspiration in that story. And it's just a good story, period. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend that as a read for folks. Okay, I'm I'm definitely going to to uh to look into that because y'all know I love a good come up story. So yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would love to I would love to to check that book out. So you know, check the show notes, you guys, and click on the link for Audible recommendations, and I have the book in there. And so one last question: So when describing living your truth, what is your third word when you hear these two words put together? Okay. Ooh, okay. All right. I'm ready. Self-awareness, purpose, and mm, badassness. <laughs> We're just making up words today. Just I'm making up words left and right, Andy. It's our show. We can do what we want. <laughs> yeah. I love that badassness. I love that. Rachel, thank you so so oh my gosh. much. You are you, amazing. You are amazing. Can I tell you I, I love you? That. I love you too, honey. I really, really just cannot wait to see how this journey unfolds for you further. I love the work you're doing. Similarly, when people complete the Beyond Surviving program, they're often in that place of like, okay, what's next? I can finally take on that thing that I want to take on. So I'll be sending them to you for encouragement and guidance. That's, that's you. Yeah. And it's just been an absolute joy to share this time with you today. Yeah, thank you thank so you much. much. Okay, family. All right. You can tell me. It's all good. It's all good. You can keep it fucking with me. This is, you know, a, a safe place for us to give each other feedback. All right. Tell me, was this a dreadful conversation? Was it dreadful? I really hope not because there's nothing dreadful about my experience and the life I'm living right now. If you can relate to me on any level or relate to Rachel on any level, then I want you to know that there's nothing dreadful about your experience either. The question I want you to ponder is, how will you pull strength from your experience to heal and empower someone else? Because let me be clear, empowering someone else also includes your bravery to seek the healing that you need and then live your life purposefully. Despite what you may think, someone is watching you. Someone is pulling motivation from you. They're pulling some inspiration from you or they're even pulling strength from watching how you're healing from your traumatic experience. The person may never tell you how much you're helping them or if you're helping them at all, but please find solace in the fact that your experience is meant for something greater. Now, with that being said, if you're not ready to, you know, to have, or if you don't desire to like write a book, step on a stage and tell your story or take someone under your wing as a mentee, it's completely okay. That is completely okay. You can help someone else by simply being an example of what it looks like to heal and operate from a place of purpose. You can help the person 
that lives with you in the same house as you. You can help the person that sits in the next cubicle from you at your work. You can help the person that's standing in line in front of you at the grocery store. You don't need this huge, gigantic platform in order to be considered helping people, all right? Now, next week, we're going to discuss what it's like to grow up you know, with a family member that has a mental illness and how not to lose your identity in the process. So family, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to my podcast every week. If you need support on your self-awareness journey, then head over to LakeishaWooder.com forward slash coaching for more information. Also note that all Audible recommendations or book recommendations are linked in the show notes and you can try Audible for free. Please remember to leave a five-star rating a comment and share with everyone you know across all your social media platforms. Family, as you know, I've set this lofty goal to touch 1 million hearts within the next two years. And I can only do that with your help. So please remember to download each episode, share and talk about living her truth with everyone you know. All right. So family, I appreciate you. My heart is filled with so much gratitude. And until next time, always remember that you are enough and your truth is beautiful.